All right, July is Fibroid Awareness Month. According to our next guest, 80% of women are impacted by these tumors by the age of 50. Well, you probably know someone in your life who has struggled with fibroids, or maybe you have yourself. Many of us don't know much about this condition and how it impacts so many women. Here to shed some light on this is gynecologist and obstetrician, Dr. Michelle Jacobson. Dr. Jacobson, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Okay, so tell me about fibroids. What are they? Well, they're very common, as you alluded to, and fibroids are usually benign, so usually not cancerous, muscular tumors that originate usually in the wall of the uterus. So the uterus is composed of a couple of layers, and the middle layer is a muscular wall. And when they start growing there, they can grow into any location, sometimes the cavity of the uterus, sometimes they're on a stalk on the outside of the uterus, and they can range in size from being microscopic to as big as a watermelon or bigger. Wow. And so 80% of women are impacted by this. Well, impacted is an interesting word because fibers are very often asymptomatic. So I would probably say more that up to 80% of women have fibroids, but less of them might actually be impacted by symptoms associated with fibroids. Okay. And and they seem to show up predominantly, it seems like, in Black women. Uh, Why is that? Hard to know. So we don't know what the, the cause of fibroids is or why women grow fibroids, but certainly there seem to be genetic components. And there are women from different ethnic backgrounds who are more likely to grow fibroids. And certainly women who are Black are more commonly going to be affected by fibroids. So up to 80% of Black women will have fibroids by the time they become menopausal at midlife, um, whereas that that number will be smaller for Caucasian women, maybe 50 to 70%. I know of a number of people in my family who have been impacted by fibroids. Can, Can it be prevented? Can fibroids be prevented at all? That's a really good question, and I don't think that we know the answer to that just yet because sometimes people have fibroids and and we don't know that they have fibroids because they may never have an ultrasound or may never have had a symptom that's going to, to, you know, allow us to investigate their fibroids and understand that they have them. So when we say up to 80% of women have them, it's because we somehow found out. But who knows how many women are walking around with fibroids not knowing that they have them. Um, But in terms of preventing them, there are medications and there are procedures that can uh, stop fibroids from growing larger. But we don't know of any medications or procedures or lifestyle habits you can adopt that might stop you from growing fibroids in the first place. Okay. And what can happen if you do have fibroids? Like what are some of the symptoms or side effects that can happen if if you do find that you have fibroids? When we think about fibroids, we tend to uh, think about them in sort of columns of symptoms. So the number one would be abnormal bleeding. And abnormal bleeding is usually going to be because of a fibroid that's growing in the cavity of the uterus, or that might be abutting or snuggling right up to the cavity of the uterus where the the size or the shape of the cavity is being affected. And those fibroids tend to bleed heavily, even if they're small. So even an almond-sized fibroid that is predominantly in the cavity of the uterus might cause extremely heavy bleeding and the other side effects of having heavy bleeding like anemia um, or a patient passing out, those would all be something that could happen when you lose a lot of blood. 
Sometimes fibroids cause infertility, and that's usually going to be, again, fibroids that impact the shape or the cavity size because that can affect where the baby is meant to grow or where the placenta is meant to implant. But if a fibroid is impacting the way the fallopian tubes are open, it may actually stop somebody from becoming pregnant versus causing them or being implicated in a miscarriage. And we commonly see women complaining of bulk symptoms, and that's going to really depend on the location of the fibroid or the size of the fibroid, where a large fibroid or a fibroid that's grown in, a, in an uncomfortable place might be pushing on the bowels or the bladder and causing somebody to be really uncomfortable just because of the bulk of that fibroid. And actually, the treatment for all these different fibroids would range based on what we're trying to achieve in terms of improving those symptoms. Now, it is, as I said, July is Fibroid Awareness Month. We're ending July in a couple of days. What are some maybe some myths about fibroids that women have that come into your office that you kind of have to debunk um, if they're you know worried about this? Yeah, that's a great question. So number one, a lot of fibroids are found incidentally, which means that somebody might have a, an ultrasound or a CT scan for a completely different reason and then discover that they have fibroids. Those women might have no symptoms and never have known that they would have had a fibroid otherwise, but come in because they're really worried now that they know that they have a fibroid. So the number one myth would be that all fibroids need to be treated or monitored. If somebody has a fibroid but doesn't have any of those symptoms that we just described, there's no need to follow that fibroid and there's no need to worry about it or treat it. The number two myth would be that you can prevent fibroids by doing things like a dietary restrictions or lifestyle changes. So I've had patients do things like water fasts where they think that because of something that they've read on the internet or advice that they've received from somebody that they might be able to shrink their fibroid or have their fibroid disappear completely if they cut certain things out of their diet or if they restrict certain things. And that actually has no evidence. There was a large study done out of the U.S. where they looked at all sorts of dietary and lifestyle habits and really concluded that there was no real evidence to impact the growth or the presence of fibroids. Um, and number three, a lot of people worry that their fibroids are cancerous or will become cancerous. And cancerous fibroids got a lot of publicity in the U.S. a few years ago because of a very tragic case. But when it comes to the general population, fibroids are very, very rarely cancerous, are almost always benign. And certainly people who've got cancerous fibroids tend to have symptoms that need to be investigated. Okay. And so I'm hearing... Stay connected with your gynecologist, your obstetrician, and stay on top of, of your health to make sure that you're you're catching this if you do have a fibroid. Yeah, if you've got a symptom that, that sounds like any of the things that we talked about today, then definitely it's worth getting an investigation like an ultrasound. And we have amazing treatments these days that can really improve fibroids. And I think what I'd really like people to take home from this is that the care can be so individualized. Like there's amazing technology that can remove fibroids that cause abnormal bleeding um, within the cavity of the uterus, even without making any uh, cuts or having any scars left over. Um, there are amazing minimally invasive procedures that can be done by radiologists to shrink fibroids and cut off the blood supply and really interesting things that are happening with regards to um, ultrasound and uh, uh, other imaging modalities that can help to shrink them. So this is important to us as gynecologists. Thank you again, Thanks. gynecologist and obstetrician, Dr. Michelle Jacobson. Uh, thank you for your time. I'm Maggie John, and this is The Jeff MacArthur Show. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.